You're listening to A Little Thing Called Marketing, brought to you by Studio 93. Each week, Sinead, that's me, surprises Darren with a topic and we run with it. As the title suggests, the topics will be marketing based, but the rest is unknown to Darren. So let's get into it. We are back with another episode and thank you for joining us. Um, As you heard from the intro, the premise here is that I talk to Sinead every week about some topic around marketing and ahead of time, I have no idea what the theme is, what the questions are. So it's always exciting and a bit a bit nerve wracking for me at this point when I hand it over to Sinead. Sinead, first of all, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Don't be nervous. I have a quick quiz for you today. It's all about branding this week. Okay. So the quiz is just for fun, really. Um, I just want you to say the first brand that comes to your head when I give you a an item. Okay. Okay. You ready? Yep. Okay. Ketchup. Heinz. Runners. Nike. Phone. Apple. Tea bags. Um, Tetley. A makeup product. Do I think L'Oreal are more hair, but maybe they do makeup. No, as well. they do. Yeah, they okay. do. They definitely do. Uh, search engine. Um, Bing. Wow, that's. A nah, I did that just to annoy you because okay. everyone would say Google. <laughs> and and last one then a supermarket. Super value came to my mind first. Okay, cool. Uh, it's the same then with colors, I suppose. If you think of red and yellow, who comes to mind? Burger King. Really, for me, it'd be McDonald's now. Well, uh, yeah. Well, I think the, I think they use the same brand colors. So yeah, yeah. I suppose. Um, and then if you think of a logo that's green with a red star, it uh, might just ma- be oh, the Starbucks, best. Starbucks. Starbucks. No, might just be the best logo in the world. That might give it away. Green, no, green with a green. Sorry, green with a red star. Uh huh. Oh, Heineken. Yes. Yeah. So there you go. I suppose, um, I think it's for color wise, 80% of people will recognize a brand on the use of your colors. So I think that was just, just a little bit of fun there. Yeah. So obviously branding is super important when it comes to marketing, um, and being successful within marketing, but it's more than just a logo and colors, isn't it, Darren? What, what, what else would you say makes your brand and, and how would you approach kind of maybe forming a brand strategy? Yeah, great question, because often people get confused with um, a brand, what's branding and what's a logo design. And they are, mm, they work together, not the same thing. You know, a logo is one very important part of your branding, but it's not, that's not the end of it. So Mm. it's the messaging. What are we saying? Who are we saying it to? How are we saying it? It's, you know, again, we mentioned in another podcast, this idea of tone of voice, it's down to, you know, what, what do you, what do you represent? What do you value as a company? Um, and again, that can feel a bit fluffy to some clients, but this is how we build a brand. So if we think of the, the biggest brands and, and, you know, instantly everyone thinks of, if you ask anyone, as you have done actually at the beginning of this, if you ask them like name, the, name a big brand, hmm. 85% of them will say Apple. And I've seen this to be, to be uh, true. Yeah. Um, and if you think about Apple in terms of it being a brand, not just a logo, you think about, you know, there's a very specific style of ads and you, you can tell what they stand for in terms of quality of design and design aesthetic. So you can see from your iPhone to your iMac to your Apple watch, there's a, there's a very distinct look and style to it. And that comes down to the brand as well. So that's very far removed away from just the logo that goes through to their ethos, through what they mm. stand for, the products they put out, 
Um, so your, you know, your brand is, is so much more all encompassing than just your logo. Um, so hopefully that's a start to the yeah, answer. No, definitely. And you talked there about values, um, and how you said it might be fluffy to some people, but actually 77% of consumers buy from brands who share the same values as them. So maybe if you are thinking about it as a fluffy thing, you shouldn't be, you know, building rapport and favorability within the market is hard. Um, becoming memorable uh, to consumers is the ultimate goal. Don't you think? Absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. So I suppose we should maybe look at what makes your brand unique within the market. How would you kind of approach that? Would you sit down and do a big spider web or how would you approach it? Well, what we're talking about there is, um, and you're absolutely right, it's, it's, it's being able to um, differentiate yourself. Right? Yeah. So if you are, uh, I'll just off the top of my head, I'll just say you're um, a baker. So you're a baker and you're, let's say you're based in Dublin, lovely little bakery. Um, and you know, there's, there's any amount of bakeries. These are small ones where you sell coffee and, and nice cakes and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm in Dublin. There's any amount of them. So uh, as a consumer, I have, I have endless choice about which bakery I walk into. Right. And the challenge there, um, in terms of your marketing is to like, wh- how are you different? Like, why am I going to, why am I going to walk maybe an extra five or 10 minutes to go to your bakery when I can go to all of these different ones? So mm. it's, it's about differentiating yourself in the market. And that applies to any business because we all have competitors, you know, it's, it's positioning. So how do you position you and your business and your brand in the market? And if I look at, um, you know, the example again of the bakers in Dublin and there's one on nearly every street and I'm going to go for a coffee and I'm going to go for a nice bun. If, if you as a cafe or baker, if you, if you have not found a way to differentiate yourself in terms of your brand, and that can be through, you know, even, you know, the decor or the ambiance or the character of your cafe could be down to even, you know, the the staff, um, it could be, obviously it's down to the product as well. But if you can't differentiate yourself in some way, in the eyes of your customers, they're going to make the decision based purely on price. Because in their eyes, all of these bakers and these cafes are all the same. So I'm going to just go, I'm just going to base it on price. Would you say then, like, it doesn't matter if you are doing better than them or if you do have a product, if you're not marketing it correctly, then like you're saying, they're just going off the one standard thing that everyone has. I saw, it's funny, yesterday on, or maybe last night on LinkedIn or somewhere I was reading and I saw a quote. Now, I'm not sure if I agree with this. Mm -hmm. But it's stuck with me and I'm kind of thinking about it and, and I, I'll probably make a hash of it now because again, I have no prep done for these podcasts. That's the whole premise. But it was something like good product plus bad marketing equals failure. Bad product plus good marketing equals success. Now, I'm not sure if I mm. agree with it, but it's something I'm thinking of. Yeah, I know. I know what you mean. It's a, it's a tough one. I think uh, what comes to mind for me is brand equity then. So the, you know, how your customers perceive you, um, online and stuff. So if, if they're perceiving you as a certain way and being amazing online because of your good marketing and then they go in and buy your product and it's crap, you know, you're gonna, it's gonna lead to people maybe talking bad about you on online and stuff where a lot of, um, 
brands rely on these days, you know, when it comes to reviews and stuff like that as well. So I, I think I'm with you there. I don't know if I. Well, I, I don't see. I, I am not making my mind up on it. Mm. But, but again, just and you've taken one side of it there. And just to play devil's advocate, I'm going yeah. to go with the other side because I've seen this over the years. I've seen lots of clients with with, with brilliant products and service. Really, really good. And they're absolutely the top of the game. But their marketing was so lacking mm. and so non-existent that they weren't getting the leads and they weren't getting the business. And they were they were telling me, I can think of lots of clients who would say, such and such down the road does a similar thing. Our product is way better because X, Y, Z and he's flat, he's out the door. And yeah. it was just down to that other person was doing a way better job on the marketing end. Yeah. And, and, and this person who's telling me this was doing practically nothing or what they were doing was completely failing, which is why they were talking to a marketing company like us. Okay. Um, so I just wanted to talk a little bit about brand identity. So first thing that comes to mind for me would be Nike and their swoosh logo. So if you see that swoosh or hear the word swoosh, you think of Nike straight away. Do you, how do you think you define your identity within the market? Do you kind of have to listen to what people are saying about your brand now and what people think about it now? Or how do you go about that? And first to swing back on that Nike example, and again, it's, it's an example people often think about. And then mm. there's that famous story where there was, um, I think she was a, a student graphic designer who designed the Nike logo for, I don't know, $35 at the time or whatever it was. And that's always held up as an example. And then they say, you know, look at this, look how, you know, instantly recognizable the swoosh is. And that's true, but you know, that didn't happen overnight. Yeah. That's, that's from years and years and years of repetition and consistency as well. Um, so it's very recognizable. So it's definitely an example of a brand that has managed to, uh, retain and develop and hold on to that identity and, and be very, very recognizable in their market. But make no mistake, that did not happen in, in a short period of time. That's from a, a long, long, um, period of time. Do you think Brands get lucky when it comes to colorway or uh, people recognizing them, or do you think it all comes with hard kind of work and a brand strategy? Well, it's definitely not not luck. And if you if you're thinking about you know this idea of recognition, recognition only comes over time. And the thing about recognition and in and in branding is that comes from consistency. Yeah. So if we see a brand and the top brands do this very well. And even, you know, smaller companies do it well um, as well, with, sometimes with a little bit of coaching. But, you know, the idea that, OK, we have our brand colors. So if we just focus on colors for a while, we have yeah. brand colors. And so part of our process here when we'd be working with um, on branding projects or logo designs would be obviously the brand colors. So those are the colors that represent you as a company. And over time, people come to recognize. And as you've done there in your intro, you can say a color and if you say name a brand, the brands that have done really well on this, you actually just think of, of them based on a color. So you can actually be triggered to think about a brand just based on a color, which is, is, is pretty amazing. So part of the process um, that we would go through here when we're branding a company is, is that color thing. And if we're designing the logo, often we'll design a logo in black and white purposely just to focus on just the form and the function um, and the messaging or the look of the logo. And then 
apply look at applying different color combinations and um, brand colors um, after that so again i mentioned it there i'd say it's going to come up a lot in this podcast mm. this this word um and this idea of consistency so consistency across yeah. your brand so again just touch, touching on color there um obviously it conveys emotions and feelings and stuff like that would you go off what the brand is what the company is and what they do to choose your colors or would that kind of come with time or is it just the brand might pick a color and say well look I definitely want to have green in it or I definitely want to have red in it how, how does that kind of process work there's no hard and fast rules here in terms of colors now there are theories and this comes into color theory where mm-hmm. different colors represent different feelings and yeah. all this kind of stuff and you know you can read what you want into that and um, when we're deciding on uh, brand colors it will so certain industries like maybe accountants solicitors they tend to go with, if you look at them, they tend to go with kind of, uh, you know, blues, kind of darkish blues, yeah. kind of muted colors. And then if you look at, say, um, the likes of maybe auctioneers, you notice that they go with, uh, a lot of them go with like a combination of blue and like, a, you know, strong red. Often we will look at a client and we might actually see, well, look, this is what's been done in your market color wise or branding color wise. And I often will say, right, so those are the things we are not going to do. Yeah, so all your competitors are doing that. We are not going to do, we're not going to use any of those colors mm. because you need to stand out in the market. So I guess maybe what you're asking me is like, the, you know, what's the criteria? How do you decide on on brand colors? Mm. Now, over the years, um, as we work on branding projects, and this has been helpful for my clients when they are trying to um, decide on, you know, what color palette. So it might be more than one color. It might be two or three colors what color palette we're going to move forward for in their branding. And typically this is an exercise where we'll have gone to a certain point in terms of designing their logo and we'll have that up on the wall. And then we'll have maybe six or seven different color combinations or palettes that we'll apply to the logo. And again, we put them on the wall and this is a, a physical situation where the client and their team maybe are in the room and we're, we're giving our feedback based on what we're seeing on the walls. Now, color can be very subjective and that's the problem so Sinead you might like a very a specific color you yeah. just might like it yeah and I might like a color you know I might have a favorite color I might look up at the wall in this scenario and you might be drawn to a certain color combination but I might be drawn to a different color combination mm-hmm. so uh, you know how do you come to an agreement there when you're in a room with let's say five people and everyone kind of has a slightly different leaning towards a color because again, it's a very subjective thing. And what I always say to clients is you need to put in this instance, you need to actually put your personal preference for a color to the side. Out the door. (laughs) Because it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter that Mary in accounts really loves yellow. Mm -hmm. It makes no difference that John in sales has always been a big fan of the blue and red color combination because John, it doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is how is your branding and your logo and again, your color palette perceived by your target audience or your customers. That's all that matters. Yeah. It's not about personal preference. So we're, we're always working with clients to kind of say, well, what's the best solution for this specific project and for your specific target market? Not necessarily what do we individually like as a color combination for the brand? Makes sense. I actually have um, a little fact here from Logo Factory. The top three colors used by companies include red, blue and grayscale. Would you have said that? 
I probably could have guessed red and blue. Yeah. Grayscale, um, not not so much. So, and and grayscale just means um, so there's different scales of gray. So there's mm-hmm. a darker gray, and then there's right down through to a lighter gray. So I probably wouldn't have um thought about that. That's interesting. Yeah, I I wouldn't have said that myself either. And just going back then to kind of what you were saying about consistency and brand consistency earlier, um. It actually increases revenue by 33% being consistent across the board. And I suppose being recognized by uh, your consumer, your target audience and stuff. So it takes five to seven brand interactions for people to remember your brand. Another thing on consistency is the consistency instills trust. Yes. If if we see, so uh, let's, we see an advertisement for a business or brand or whatever. And you know, if there's consistency in the visual, the message, the the colors, the, the even down to the fonts across what I'm seeing on social media, what I'm seeing um, uh, on the website, what I'm seeing out and about in magazines and in flyers, that consistency instills a feeling of trust that we feel we can trust this company. And again, it's we mentioned something like this in another podcast. It's this very kind of inbuilt innate thing that happens in our heads that's a a very subconscious thing so again consistency equals trust brand identity is just it's it's recognition again someone sees your logo and they know who you are and what your company is potentially even kind of what kind of company you are and what you stand for um so it's it's got to be something visually and if we're talking about identity in terms of say let's just talk about logo first it's got to be something that is recognizable is is it different in the market as well sometimes i i come across clients and and businesses in a certain industry and um, a lot of the logos are very very similar yeah very very similar so it's that it's that being able to stand out visually um it's also um simplicity is a big thing simplicity is so big um, in branding and an identity and effective identity. So again, if we think of the big guys, I'm not going to go through them again, but look at any of their logos and, and see how simple they are. And there's definitely been a big swing in the last few years to even more simplicity. So, you know, flat color, um, sometimes it's just typography. There's no icon or graphic, so to speak. Yeah. That the type has become um, the the logo. That's nothing new, but again, it's it's back to this idea of simplicity in shape, in form, in in message, in even down to color palette. So I'm I'm often seeing flat colors. Maybe it's one color uh, to max. Um, so you know, a good identity is instantly recognizable. But again, I have to add that caveat that doesn't happen overnight. We don't we don't recognize something until we see it uh, over and over and we see it consistent consistently. So I don't know if I'm answering your question there. So feel free to pull me in if I'm gone way off topic. No, I, I feel like you did. I, I feel like like you're saying it comes with time. It comes with your um, image, your culture and your values and everything as well. So I'm just thinking about where, where you touched on simplicity there um, when it comes to logo, like Apple again, an Apple symbol is not the best logo in the whole world, but look how effective it is. Yeah. And, and a f- fair point, but it, you, you have to, if you look back on the history of the Apple logo, mm. the Apple logo you see today is, is very far removed from where it was originally. Mm. Originally off the top of my head, I think it had, it actually was, it was, it was Apple computers was the name of the brand and the logo said Apple computers. And it was, it was the Apple, uh, it had, I think it had a, like a rainbow going through it. Okay. It had all of this extra stuff. 
uh, it's very interesting to look at, and especially those bigger brands, to look at the evolution of the the logo over mm. time. Because if you go back, and I'm thinking of um, Shell Oil, I'm thinking of um, what's the coffee shop that I can't think of Starbucks. the name? Starbucks, all that stuff. Peugeot, McDonald's, actually. Peugeot. Yeah. If you go back and look at the evolution of their logo, you might be surprised to see how how. Uh, I wouldn't say almost ineffective, but if we're saying today, if we're holding them up and saying, wow, look at this great logo, look at this great brand they built from this logo. Mm. That was not the way it was from day one. That's evolution. Do you think that's a scary um, thing to approach as a brand uh, changing your logo? Like, I know they're not changing it hugely, but do you think they're going, oh, is this a risk now? Are people not going to recognize who we are because of this? Or what do you think? There can be that, it, 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 and there can be that. But clients I worked with, um, I guess by the time they've come to us mm. to work with them on this, they've already made the decision that they're happy to do that. And maybe it's um, they feel that their current brand, which many times has been there for years, like too long basically and that's why they're coming to us so they're yeah. quite happy and they can look at their competitors and they see their competitors are kind of getting a bit ahead of them in terms of that you know how professional they look in terms of a brand so they're happy to make that change but back to my example there again of even if you look at those those famous guys they're not completely they're not completely you know throwing out their logo mm-hmm. and then a, a whole new one pops up it's an evolution so they're 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 maybe you might think, oh, okay, I guess maybe they're adding elements or colors or something to what's yeah. already there. But in in most examples, they're actually subtracting. And if I go back to Apple again, and um, maybe in the in the uh, show notes, I'll put a link to this where you'll see the Apple, uh, the evolution of the Apple logo. And what they did every time was they stripped back, stripped back, stripped yeah. back, stripped back to now what we have is literally just that simple, simple uh, Apple logo. When it comes to um, your branding, then what what would you say your main aims and goals and objectives would be if it was starting a new, completely new brand or if it's just rejigging your brand as it is? Well, it's come up a lot in the conversation. And so maybe that's why I'm thinking about it first. And there's lots of objectives. But mm-hmm. I mean, that that differentiation piece has to be has to be high, that positioning piece. Mm-hmm. So how am I going to make myself distinct in the market um, when a customer, a potential customer is looking for what I do? And they have five or six other options not too far from me. Yeah. How am I going to make, how am I going to make my brand stand out, seem different? Um, and largely you can do that through branding and messaging and all that kind of stuff. So I think that's got to be a goal. You've got to be looking at what your competitors are doing and you've got to go, okay, they can do that. Yeah. Best to look to them. I'm going to do something completely different and it's going to make me stand out. Um, and storytelling then obviously emotion goes a long way and we've talked about that kind of when it comes to colors and your logo and stuff like that like would you would you how would you create a bond with your clientele or with your your target audience by storytelling would you say like explaining who you are what you stand for you know how, how would you kind of bring that into your marketing strategy yeah, well, storytelling is a big one. I'm a, I'm a big fan of it in terms of, of leveraging it, leveraging it uh, mm. as a marketing tool. And I think what it does is it uh, creates uh, loyalty, brand loyalty. Yeah. And when people can, as you're saying, when they can connect with you as a as a brand, um, they tend to buy in a little bit more and, you know, stick with you. So how, how do you use storytelling specifically to build a brand? And um, well, you tell stories and 
you tell real stories. You don't fabricate stories for the sake of a marketing campaign. Um, where I've seen this work really effectively for our own clients is um, typically we use this. This will be a video piece where they're recounting or telling a story about some something that happened. Um, and the trick here is, again, for it to be real, because when you are looking at a video of someone telling a story, I believe you can tell whether it's a real it's they're thinking and remembering a real scenario here, here yeah. or they're you know, trying to remember the script that was handed to them by the marketing company. Yeah. So storytelling, big one for branding, tell real stories. And the best examples I've seen of this are where companies and clients are uh, allow themselves to be a bit, a bit vulnerable in terms of the, the stories they're telling. You know, that, that connection, that real emotion that comes out then, that emotion can be happiness, sadness, anger, can be anything. And um, that's what connects. So emotion, true story, and then used in, in tandem with your branding or as part of your branding, very effective in creating that, you know, loyalty, brand loyalty. When it comes to um, kind of social media or being online or having a presence and you want to put a graphic out there, you want to put content out there, how are we, how are we create, creating that as a brand and keeping your, your colors and, and kind of your brand tone of voice and everything um, cohesive? How, how are we creating them graphics? Great question. So as part of our process, when we work with a, a company on their, on this branding piece, and as you can hear from the conversation, there's a lot more to it than a logo. Mm. Um, we, we produce um, what's called a brand guideline. So a lot of companies will have a brand guideline document and it's uh, often it's a, it can be a printed piece, but often it's just a PDF with a number of pages that documents all of the decisions around uh, brand color, uh, message, tone, voice, all of this stuff, typography, all of this stuff that we're talking about is documented in a PDF. And that becomes the Bible for the brand. So again, it's a brand guidelines and everyone on the team should have a copy of the brand guidelines. And if if someone is is working to create a radio advertisement and then the, someone else over here is putting stuff up on social media. And again, someone else over here is is writing blog posts and putting things on the website. They are all consulting the brand guidelines and they are all on the same page, even though they may not be talking to each other. And then the, that consistency comes through because we're all working from the bank brand guidelines, which again is the Bible, which is the documented um, material based off the decisions made during the branding process. Does that answer that question? It does. No, definitely. So they're all, as I say, singing off the same hymn sheet. Okay, we've come to the end of this podcast uh, episode, which was on branding. And as always, a little bit rambling. Um, I, don't, I get no homework done for any of this. So Sinead, thank you very much for, for uh, hosting this episode. And guys, feel free to reach out if you have any ideas for, for other podcast episodes in the future. Please uh, give us a, a little review or a like here on uh, whatever app you're using to listen to your podcasts. Uh, an iTunes review would be fantastic. It would really help us to get the, the podcast out in front of people and with that we will uh, call it a day and see you on the next one you've been listening to a little thing called marketing brought to you by studio 93 check us out on linkedin facebook and instagram for more and if you have any suggestions for topics do send us a message on instagram we'll be back same time same place next week and don't forget you can visit our website www.studio93.ie for on-demand webinars blog posts or to book a consultation